Hello and welcome to episode 54 of Booze, Booms and Busts, the podcast where we discuss market events and trends while having a few beers every week. My name is Boai Shoshan and of course I'm joined as ever by Sam Volkering. Sam, how are you getting on this week? Good afternoon. I am, uh, I'm getting on very well actually. Um, yeah, can't, uh, can't complain about too much I don't think. Great no. news. <laughs> Happy days. Happy days. Yeah, it's, a, uh, it's been a buoyant week. For Sam Volkering, um, lots of things to discuss this episode. Uh, we have got have got. I'm back on the beers this week, rather than uh, the the black tot uh, and the and the mead I was drinking last week. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, That's we're back time. on back on the beers. Yeah, uh, though. Yeah, we shall definitely bring back some mead. I think for uh, a oh, future yeah. episode. Yep. Um, but Sam, yeah, what are you drinking this week? Let's start that off there. All right, so uh, kicking off today, I've got one from the Moore Beer Company, M-O-O-R, uh, which is called, uh, this beer is called Distortion, which is a session IPA at 4.7%. Um, distortion, too clean is sterile, too precise is boring, edges keep things interesting, distortion fills the mm. void. I, I, I love it. I do love a great little sentence paragraph uh describing the name of a beer um i mean i i don't really know what that means to be honest <laughs> and no. as mr whippy pulls out the, pulls up at the front of my house actually there's a funny story that i don't know if you could if you could just hear the mr whippy yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. in the background there but uh he came to the front of our house a couple of weeks ago when on a weekend and um, we went out to get an ice cream. And then my mother-in-law had the grand idea to say to Mr. Whippy, as we were paying for our 99 cent cones uh, or 99p cones, she said, come round every day. Uh, my right. wife looked at me and said, is she fucking crazy? <laughs> <laughs> because now Mr. Whippy rolls up at our house, not every day, but every second day. And uh, yeah, I don't really want Max having an ice cream every second day. But Mr. Whippy keeps coming back. Oh yeah, I can hear him again there. Well, I mean, shots now. He's just like, come on, come on. When you consider how bad the business must have been for Mr. Whippy over the lockdowns, though, he probably deserves a a, a lot of ice cream buying. Eh? But see, I would have thought he's an essential worker, right? So he would have he should have done a roaring trade in lockdowns. I would have thought because everyone's at home. You, you like it's it's a captive audience. True, but I mean, would would you not be banned from handing stuff out or whatever? I don't know if you had a mask on. Yeah, I'd see. And and now there's like there's like six people like queuing up for ice creams now. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm here recording this with you drinking beer. Uh, my wife has to deal with a two and a half year old that can clearly see and hear Mr. Whippy out outside. <laughs> <laughs> Unless this isn't a podcast about Mr. Whippy, uh, it's about beer. And yeah, I'm on the uh, more distortion with a very very wonderful description. Oh, very nice, very nice. Uh, this week, I am drinking uh, Bitter Bully, which is from Cheddar Ales. Uh, some frequent listeners may remember I was drinking the Bigger Bully uh, a couple of episodes back. This is the, uh, the the lighter version of it. It's a pale ale, bottle conditioned as ever from Cheddar Ales. And Bitter Bully is a New World style pale ale with a big citrusy hop character and thirst quenching finish. Brewed using the finest pale ale malts with a blend of American Cascade, Amarillo, and Simcoe whole hops. You can't beat a bitter bully. And I must say, so far, it does taste really delicious. Of course, we are biased here because we are somewhat <laughs> partnered with Shader Ales. However, this is really very refreshing. 3.8% and, um, yeah, a lot of flavor going on. Sam, in terms of where to begin this week, <clears throat> I mean, we're really spoiled for choice. Um, 
Yeah, I think uh, the the Americans the Americans withdrawal from Afghanistan yep. is quite a quite yep. a big theme. We go on. Obviously, we don't want to go too uh, grim and into the uh, you know into sort of the humanitarian catastrophe side of it. Oh, but there is a lot of financial oh. ramifications of it too, of course. Oh, big big time, big time. Um, we were celebrating or at least commemorating the uh, 50th anniversary of Nixon closing the gold window oh, last hang week. On, hang on, hang on. Let me just pull you up there. Was it really Nixon that we were celebrating? Exactly. Or is it the, or is it the more important event that happened in, in August 1971, the death exactly. of Shane? Exactly. Exactly. Now, that, see, this is another this is another <laughs> element we have to bring in here. So for those listening, I... I um, I watched the documentary Blackfish many years ago, and I've kind of forgotten a lot of it. And um, there was a there is a crypto project out there. This is not financial advice. There's a crypto project out there called Orca, which I was interested in. Orca is a decentralized exchange on the Solana blockchain. For those who are interested, Solana has been uh, blowing the lights out. And there is this uh, decentralized exchange called Orca, which has its own token. And um, I, I, re- I think the just on terms of the logo design itself, Orca is just magnificent. <laughs> the, the tasteful yellow color with this uh, killer whale in the middle is just really very striking. And uh, I was speaking about it with, with Sam, and Sam said that I should shamu it. And uh, <laughs> I, I, while I'd seen this documentary, Blackfish, about killer whales, I, I, didn't, I couldn't remember what shamu meant. Uh, and it, I knew it rang a bell, but I didn't know what it meant. Anyway, this this brings us down the rabbit hole. Sam sends over this video of killer whale Shamu at SeaWorld in 1971 attacking some poor secretary who they'd got to put, you know, to ride this uh, as part of a promotional video. And um, you know, I was like, why why is all this why is all this stuff gone going on in 1971? Why, you know, got Nixon with Gold Window, there's all manner of other strange events that took place in 71. And now this one, where this this killer whale called Shamu decides to to uh you know take out all of the uh re, you know repressed hatred from being kept in some appalling conditions on this chick that they uh, brought in for a promotional video now it, the 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 plot thickens here because oh, yeah. august 15th was the was the evening the say the evening of august 15th the sunday was the uh was the day that nixon closed the gold window shamu died the day after the very day very after next day that you know there are no coincidences people what did shamu have on nixon what did shamu know that's the real question what did shamu know yeah what what's up with that i justice for shamu we need to find out well Um, i mean it begs it begs the question if like we we sort of um you know raised ourselves as if if shamu had lived Mm. you know would were we talking were we talking you know a, a scandal that could have brought down the White House. I mean, scandal brought down the White House there anyway. But Shamu probably had a lot more knowledge of, of the reality of things than people uh, realize. And we're talking about the original Shamu there. There were other Shamus at SeaWorld uh, subsequently. And, and, and likely subsequently, a cover up. Yeah, more, more, uh, more attacks. But I feel like Shamu was very representative of, of, of the, the, the modern investor. Ready to 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 attack its its keepers, uh, to to break free from the shackles of. If the Fed is SeaWorld, then we are all Shamu. 
But yeah, this is interesting, an interesting theme we're going down. So why did they call after a, one of their killer whales called Shamu attacks somebody and this makes the news because they've attacked somebody? Why would the organization then go on to name multiple other killer whales Shamu, considering that the original has such a bad reputation? So maybe it is that they're trying to hide what happened in 1971 with Shamu by just naming every other you know every other killer whale shamu it was like uh you know i remember hearing someone comment well recently. it's it's kind of like quantitative easing right you know there's there's qe1 and then just they get lazy afterwards and it's qe2 qe3 qe10 yeah same shit different mm. different iteration true but the you know the i there was this idea that someone had that you should name your children the most generic names ever which everyone else has so that in future uh, when someone tries to do a background check on them through google they can't find the real one and i was i'm wondering whether or not they're trying to do that with shamu so when everyone tries to find out the crime that took place against shamu in 1971 they can't find the original one because all of these killer whales are now named shamu but it's interesting you say that uh, you know we are all shamu now considering that we're we're uh, we're railing against the uh, we're, we're railing against our, our captors, I suppose. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, and another, yeah, another uh, segue we do here, especially with the killer. Okay, if, if we are all Shamu, who is the poor secretary who Shamu attacked? Who are we railing against who doesn't deserve it? Um, who doesn't deserve it? Yeah, who doesn't deserve it? Oh, Who's the collateral that's, damage that's a good in our question. fight for justice? I mean, there's plenty. There's plenty that we could pigeon that we could sort of pe- pencil out as uh, as being worthy of attack. Mm. But someone that's attacked that's a representative, effectively of the of the. They're just doing their job, you know. They just, just got in job. the way. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. A guy like Gary Gensler probably comes to mind, but no one really attacks him. No. Do they? Um, tough. One. I might have to. I'll have to think about that. Yeah, but we'll we'll come up with something. Um, yeah, that, the the tale of Shamu there. We did go on quite a little tangent there, uh, and it. But I, I must say, you know, just in terms of design, design aesthetics alone, the Orca decentralized exchange has done it. Maybe the whole thing's a rug pull. Could be an entire <laughs> scam, and they've just lured me in with this very aesthetic logo. Basically, you've basically gone down a down a uh, investing in the meme more than. Pretty much, pretty much. It's got a, it's got a pretty logo. I'm, I'm all in. I'm aping in, or as, as I like, as I said, I'm shamooing it in. Mm. (laughs) I have taken it. I, I I will admit, I have taken a a small position in Orca, uh, Mm. just purely for that, uh, purely for that very nice Dex logo that they've got. There was one thing I was meaning to uh, say. Uh, Well, of course, we've gone on to the Shamu, which of course is in 1971. Um, There, when we're talking about. you know the the whole gold narrative with Nixon back then. Mm. Uh, there is a uh, you know obviously Nixon interrupted Bonanza in on that nine p.m. on a Sunday prime time viewing. Nixon was notoriously uh, more concerned about the fact that he was inter- interrupting a rerun of a very popular show <laughs> than he was uh, you know actually you know enforcing price controls, wage controls, and making the dollar uh, completely unbacked. But I was, uh, there's this great quote from Bonanza uh, from back, uh, you know, from that show way back then. At this point, Bonanza had been running for uh, over a decade. And Bonanza is a very good show, even if you watch it again now. There's some, uh, 
some great uh, some great lines in there uh, and some some great acting uh, it, though it is very dated of course about a bunch of cowboys living on the Ponderosa ranch uh, you know bay, way back in the wild west where things were a lot simpler for the american mind but there's this quote from it where uh, you've got uh, i think it's adam cartwright is the main son and ben ben cartwright is the patriarch of the family and Adam is saying to Ben, let's go back to the Ponderosa part. This isn't any of our affair. And <laughs> Ben Cartwright responds, we can't ignore the rest of the world. We're the only stabilizing influence in the country. And uh, it made me think about that when we we're talking about Afghanistan a lot. There's this, why, why is it that America feels like it has to be going out there and, uh, you know, being a stabilizing, quote, stabilizing influence in the rest of the world? I mean, Sam, what's your whole take on uh, on what's going on in Afghanistan? Um, well, trying to avoid any sort of um, political positioning. I mean, you, I can't, you can't help but think that they were there because they needed to be somewhere to 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 justify their you know military spending and to justify the flow of of money into um, into the military industry, into the war industry that you know did the U.S. spends so much money on. Um, you know, in in absence of, of a war, of any war in the Middle East, I mean, where else were they going to pitch a war? Well, you think they needed a war just to keep keep things ticking over? Yeah, and I and I suspect that they'll they'll find one uh, pretty soon again um, with China, possibly in Taiwan, um, or or Russia in again in the sort of Ukraine and Georgia. Well, they've got a hell of a hammer now, so you know a lot of things are probably looking like nails. I would suggest, uh, I would suggest uh, Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa in particular, as the as the area we may well see in mm. the near future when you're looking at uh, sort of proxy war stuff. It's interesting when you're talking about uh, what use what use a war is. Uh, is you know, Russia used the opportunity of all this conflict in the Middle East as uh, really just a live uh, sort of testing ground. So they've uh, tested more than a thousand prototypes of various military equipment out there uh, and used, you know, uh, lots of experimental gear. So it's very opportunistic. And uh, now you have uh, Lord knows how many soldiers that uh, the U.S. has actually put into the battlefield who now have battlefield experience. One of the mm. things that China's after is battlefield experience, because, of course, the last time that they were doing any real military stuff was during the Korean War. And, um, yeah, so it's interesting when you have uh, there are tales you hear of the Chinese military, the PLA in Africa, uh, guarding some of these uh, you know, lithium mines and things like that where uh, when mercenaries show up, they, they run away. And that, this, is, of course, is you know, what's just reported rather than uh, something I, I know for a fact. But it's interesting that the way states see wars as opportunities just to give their guys some experience. So yeah. the U.S. now has a lot of guys with a lot of experience. And so you, you wonder what they're, what they're going to do with those next. I, I do think we're going to see a lot more in Africa uh, as sort of Cold War II continues. Um, but of course, you know, Taiwan, though Taiwan, Taiwan is uh, obviously something of a hotspot. But Taiwan, you know, even today, I think it was uh, one of the, I think it was the vice premier of the Republic of China, was saying that uh, yes, we have alliances with other nations which uh, share our values, and so Republic of China, China being Taiwan, of course, uh, we do have other, we do have other allies. But you know, we have arms ourselves. We we are prepared to defend ourselves, which is really quite fighting words coming from uh, from Taiwan. So it is. Mm. It is stepping up there for sure. 
What do you um? What do you make of this? Everyone, uh, well, not everyone, but the people like, oh, now that America's left Afghanistan, they've ceded uh, all these lithium deposits over to the Chinese and and the Russians and and the Taliban themselves. I mean, do you what, do you make much out? I personally, I don't. Um, but I was keen to say, like, that seems to be a thing now out there that you know Afghanistan has a trillion dollars worth of lithium deposits and it's up for grabs or some bullshit like that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Afghanistan certainly has uh, an awful amount of uh, resources. Uh, I was actually discussing this earlier on today with our colleague John Butler. Uh, and it was something he pointed out to me it was just, uh, it's a funny geological fact that you, you don't always think of all the time. But uh, in areas of the world where you have the geography of Afghanistan, where, you know, you have these enormous mountain ranges, yeah, like Japan, just when there's lots, like, just right, mountains everywhere. I mean, there's places in, in Afghanistan where it's like, it's, it's hard to get a GPS signal, let alone <laughs> cell service, you know, for hundreds of miles, a huge, expansive yeah. place. And, uh, you know, in those mountain ranges, just when you have interesting geography like that, you're, there's probably going to be goodies in the ground. Uh, yeah, and so when, when you've got that, that sort of setup. So I get it. Yeah, that see, this is the thing. So Afghanistan has uh, all manner of goodies in the ground. You know, lithium. They got rare earths. Uh, they've got. I think I'm, they might even have uh, you know precious stones and things over there. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of stuff mm. in in the soil in Afghanistan. The problem is, well, as as the geography is so interesting, right? It's kind of hard to get get it out there. So infrastructure in Afghanistan is pretty bad. Uh, even with, you know, Lord knows the amount of uh, billions that have been plowed into it uh, over the past 19 years. Uh, so there's plenty out there, sure, but getting it is the issue. Uh, I think, uh, you know, China, I think there is something in that uh, China and Russia will try and try and, uh, you know, make a play for these these resources. But one was, one does ask, if the price wasn't high enough for these resources over the past 19 years, yeah. how what you know how is it going to become more economical to do it now? And maybe that is because the price of those resources will increase, which is quite possible. Uh, but I do think I do think something will come of that, Sam. There will be uh, Russia and China going for it, but they won't be collaborating on doing that. They'll want it for themselves. Yeah. A lot of people see you know they call it it's called the dragon bear. Where you've got uh, China being the dragon and Russia cooperating together in order to to beat the Americans, but I don't think the I relationship. Yeah, I don't think the relationship is nearly so uh, so cohesive. And instead, they'll be fighting. Uh, you know, they'll be trying to get their own their own stuff. And of course, as I've said already, uh, you know, Russia is a lot better at playing the sort of military uh, capture and control game than China is. So I'd probably I'd probably take the Russians over the Chinese when it comes to seizing resources in Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, for, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think, I think they might have a, have an abundance of particular minerals in their geography, but the likelihood it's ever going to get out of there, or even out of there at, at an economic, um, you know, reasonable in a, in a big way. I don't think it's yeah. going to be. It, it's not like it's going to saturate the market, and all of a sudden, uh, yeah, Afghanistan yeah. is going to become like the dominant global supplier of lithium. I mean, it's not happening. I mean, the the, the big lithium suppliers today have got have got uh, capacity to bring more online. They're mm -hmm, continuously yeah. bringing on new um, new new pockets uh, outside of Afghanistan. Um, I don't I don't I don't think we're going to be in any uh, great risk of of China and Russia, even if they did seize the land or work with the Taliban on on trying to get it like you say the infrastructure is so poor and then just trying to get it from where it is I mean the the, the average life of a mine anyway is about 10 years so any of that coming online is probably at least 20 away at a minimum 
Um, I, I would the the caveat I would add, I would add to that, which I think is an interesting one, is uh, is rare earth development in Afghanistan. So in terms of environmental regulations over there, going to be pretty lax. So if, there are, if there's a big concentration of rare earths, it would be it would be in uh, well pretty much any power's benefit to secure them and start extracting them. Obviously, mines take a long time to develop for things like rare earths, but with a lot of state funding, you can that 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 does happen. Yeah, well, I mean uh, that's like China though as well. China got incredible vast deposits of it, and they you know did not give an environmental shit about it, and exactly then, pretend, yeah. then pretended to give an environmental shit about it, but likely they probably still don't. So. Yeah, but they might want if, to expand expand their monopoly. That's what I mean. So yeah, they, they may want to say, just just take it, just take it out of the country. It's just like we still we still control ninety five percent of the world supply of rare earths, but we're in, we're environmentally responsible in China, yeah, <laughs> yeah, everywhere yeah. else. We're just everywhere else, going to rape and pillage the the geography for everything we can. Yeah, North Korea is uh, is probably the the biggest example of that. When you've got sort of Chinese Chinese companies. Uh, you know, extracting a lot of rare earths, and obviously North Korea doesn't doesn't give a damn about environmental regulations. So, um, Actually, I think we just, the media in, in Afghanistan. Going to say while we're on the topic of China, I mean, we can't avoid the fact that Chinese uh, equities have taken an absolute fucking wrecked. flogging, wrecked. wrecked in every sense of the word. I mean, they decimated the entire edutech industry overnight mm-hmm. by by bringing it all in in as not for profit uh organizations so you know anything that was edutech just got fucked uh and you know all the big players from alibaba to jd to you name it have just been absolutely smashed from pillar to post i mean for so long it's always been the china story the china growth story chinese Mm -hmm. stocks and they've done really well is is it over is the is the is the is the hype and fanfare around China over? Or is this just sort of? Do you reckon this is kind of like a blip in the radar? I was trying to, you know, I was having this discussion with my brother over there, and he's like, "What do you think about the Asian region? You know, what do we do now? We've been so focused on China, and there's been some great, you know, opportunities, some great stocks, great investments in China. Uh, they seem to be just applying their communist controls at a, at a level we haven't seen for some time. I mean, is it?" I don't know. Do we give up on it and just look elsewhere? I'm not quite sure anymore. If, if, or if, if, you know, the contrarian in me says, this is kind of like a good opportunity, but then part of me is like, wow, maybe this continues for a while before any of that. I'm not sure really, to be honest. Well, Sam, if it's a blip, it's a bloody big blip. So are you looking at the, uh, the Queb ETF, the China internet ETF? Mm. Uh, as of today, we're down 57% since <sighs> February. That's like uh, so crypto that, fucking wrecked. Yeah, <laughs> that's like crypto wrecked, right? That's like uh, that's like somebody pulled the rug on it, pretty much. Um, so if it is a if it is a blip, it's a really big one. I think the you know I've heard it recently. A lot of people uh, note how, in fact, I've heard it for some time. Now, a lot of people have made the case that China is becoming more capitalist and America is becoming more socialist. So it's like there are these two trends going on. Um, but mm. over the past couple of years, I find it very hard to see how China is becoming more capitalist. So I definitely agree yeah, that America definitely. is becoming more socialist, certainly. Yeah. But uh, I, I do, I, I'm more on the side that uh, free market capitalism in China, as far as we got, because it, it was never really there. I mean, there's still capital controls. I mean, so as far as we got, we weren't, we never got, got as far as getting the money out of the country. Um, but as far as we got, I think it's peaked. I, I don't think we're going back to, uh, you know, uh, so, sort of the mid 2000s. 
level yeah. of free market capitalism we got. So I don't think it's gonna. Uh, I don't think state control is going to ease. I think we, this is something we're going to see a lot more of. I think the tech story is very interesting, as you say. EduTech got wrecked, but this is now much. It's a sort of a stronger trend across the China tech uh, industry. Is uh, you know she is taking uh, taking back control from. Uh, from the market, just want, wanting to show the show these guys who's boss. You know, we are the CCP. We're the guys in charge. Uh, all, all your base are belong to us, as the internet <laughs> meme would go. Uh, but Sam, I don't think uh, what I, I I would say. I don't think uh, the Asia tech story is is nearly so grim. So I think outside of China, there are going to be there are loads of opportunities. Uh, so if you just look to emerging market tech, emerging market tech outside of China is very i think the 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 you know the outlook's great you know you're looking at uh, vietnam uh, mm. you're looking at thailand you're looking at south america um lots of good shit out there uh, i think that's i think that's definitely gonna keep go- keep on going and i think there's a lot more growth in it the issue is china like, uh, um which yeah. obviously was the home for all of these opportunities for so long it's like I remember you like the early 2000s and mid 2000s where it was you know it was all about the BRICS the you know Brazil yes. Russia India yep. China brick brick it's you know emerging markets brick 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 um it's kind of like well probably drop the Russia drop the China, drop China. so it's just it's just big. and it's not Brazil anymore either because well, they're yes, like, they're, they're socialist guys so it's just the uh, just India it's, it's just India and even India's turning away as well under Modi so yeah uh I, I would just say it's maybe we need a like new one. acronym for all for all the the well i say new emerging markets but the emerging markets have been emerging for the last 20 years mm. they haven't really emerged yet from anything um maybe they finally do start to emerge the um, yeah. maybe the the maybe the uh bitcoin reserve currency countries starting with el salvador mm. yeah, yeah someone needs to make maybe. an index for those yeah i think <laughs> i think um well, I think we're going to find more of them because frontier market status is, you know, the the one behind emerging. Uh, you know, there's lots of stuff going on there. Uh, Nigeria is probably one of the key ones, but you all, you find in the Middle East as well, like places like Kuwait. There is there yeah. is there yeah. is movement here. There is growth going on there. Um, like, at what think, point do they stop becoming frontier and emerging? I'm I'm just it, curious on that. Anyways, like I always wondered this, like when when have they when is when what is the is there a definition for something that has emerged? Um, uh, well, yeah. Or is it just all. relative? Is it all relative to the, you know, the the big Western economies like, you know, the US? No, 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 no. There's, uh, yeah, there's thresholds for it. Uh, yeah. So uh, a country that has emerged, as you would say, uh, has is a developed country. So uh, that's what China has been trying to get into is uh, we're not an emerging market country. We're a developed market for, for a very long time. Uh, and then they do shit like uh, what they've done over the past year. <laughs> like, oh, actually, no, actually, maybe this is just an emerging market. Um, it, it depends which rating agency. So ultimately, you know, our podcast uh, rating ratings agencies. Those, so those guys. Those guys, yeah. Our our friends over at the ratings <laughs> agencies. Uh, yeah, those like guys. the fucking analysts from the big investment, you know, like City and JP Morgan and stuff. They got these massive positions in stocks like fucking Apple and Tesla, and then they just go and start re-rating them higher and higher and higher, shifting the stock like seven, ten percent. Basically, just re-rating the stock after they front run themselves. Uh, boosting their own coffers yeah the, the, those guys yeah those guys aren't the rating agencies but they are trying to they're trying to nah, mess but around they all do that. the same shit <laughs> right. well, i mean uh yeah or after the financial crisis the rating agencies were were very quick to say no 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 these triple a rated 
you know, debt securities. Uh, they were we they they weren't you know set in stone. These were just recommendations for, for <laughs> yeah. just recommendations, right? They weren't they were they weren't a uh, you know we don't have any liability here, right? You they're, they're like, their response was basically like tiktok is giving financial advice not financial advice this exactly. wasn't never financial advice exactly exactly just a big yeah. hashtag nfi at the end of their fucking post so the big um the big yeah when you're talking about emerging market frontier market <laughs> developed market uh each rating agency has different thresholds and some of them don't actually recognize frontier market but uh some of them do and it's you know it's gdp growth it's uh, rule of law it's uh you know how uh, it, do they have a stock market, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, that status differs from which rating agency. We were taking the piss on when it comes to rating agencies with this podcast course with Triple B, as Triple B <laughs> is, uh, you know, the, the grade above junk debt in uh, yeah, by, as per the rating agency. Not for us. <laughs> so maybe we should uh, maybe we should come up with a new one for uh, instead of frontier, frontier market or uh, emerging market. Or maybe we should call developed markets emerged markets. And I yeah. um, sort of fr frontier markets are instead like wild west markets or something. Yeah, fr frontier markets. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I can't think of anything at the, mm. off the top of my head, but it's like, yeah, de emerged, developed yeah. countries, emerged markets, emerging markets, frontiered, frontier escaped, <laughs> terminal velocity markets or something. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, Don't say and, terminal and, velocity, mate. And, terminal velocity. I wouldn't want my market to have terminal velocity. That's for sure. And, uh, and the frontier markets can can basically just be like I don't know, orcas. <laughs> the underwater markets. Right, yeah, Sam. I'm onto my second beer. Yeah, now. me too. Uh, we, we, you want to rate your first? Yeah. So, uh, uh, more beer company. That was a very, very nice beer. I definitely. Hits that session IPA description. Uh, I really enjoyed that actually. Just, I mean, aside from the fact that I always hate anything that's described as a session beer, uh, that was a really nice beer to drink. Um, and I would, I would buy that again. So I would, I would chuck that. I would chuck my little asterisk, asterisk, asterisk on uh, on on that one. Um, just pulling up our rating system. Um, I, I think I'd give that a B plus. Actually, I was, I was really impressed with that. Um, yeah, nice one. More beer company in Bristol. There you go www.morebeer.co.uk hashtag drink more beer yeah i like that one good on you very good oh, very yeah, good cool i'm jealous this sounds uh, sounds very nice though uh, though i actually have been very well uh, satiated over here with bitter bully from cheddar ales that was really very delicious of course we're very biased uh we're we're a bit like the ratings agencies here when it comes to our own ratings <laughs> of uh, cheddar ales cash beer. for comments <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Except we receive yeah. no cash. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, I'll just hide this uh, uh, this brown envelope full of bank. Yeah, hey, what's that word of cash in the background, Bart? <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. I, I got, got that earlier. Just <laughs> picking these up. Um, no, but no, bitter bully, very very nice indeed. I will I will give that a double B because that was really oh, very refreshing. It's perfect for this kind of. <laughs> it's perfect for the atmosphere. Uh, well, not the atmosphere. Sorry, the. Um, what would it be the atmosphere? Just the kind of uh, the the weather here in Cheddar, where it's quite humid uh, yeah, relative to uh, relative to where you know further north up in Scotland and that it's really quite humid and it's uh, sometimes quite overcast. But you know that humidity never leaves. So it's it, when it's sunny, it's humid. When it's not sunny, it's humid too. And uh, this bitter bully pale ale, really good. So double B for me. What do you want? What's your second one? 
Yeah, right. So my second one is uh, Rumi's Munich. Oh, Munich. Fucking hell. Rumi's Munich. Munich Munich Keller beer. Munchen. I was going to say Munchen. I got stuck between saying Munich and, and Munchen. Uh, Rumi's Munich Keller beer. Uh, and it says, our classic Keller beer is brewed in Bavaria in accordance with the Bavarian purity laws of 1516. Always love something brewed in accordance with the Bavarian purity laws. Unfiltered and brewed with German malts and noble hops, it is our tribute to the Franconian beer history. Originally lagered in caves during the Middle Ages. This style is still hugely popular throughout the region. Brewed in Bavaria for Rumi's 4.9% ABV. Very nice so far. It's very different tasting beer, as you would expect with something that is under the purity laws. Um, do you know what? It's interesting. I couldn't quite put my finger on it to start with, but I have now. When I first um, uh, tucked into this one, it tasted like pretzels. Oh, hmm. Mm. It's funny because uh, all of those uh, beer kellers, they all sell pretzels, you know, the mm. big soft ones. So uh, maybe it brought back a memory of you eating a pretzel in said Keller beer. No, it's not. A, it's not a memory though. It's 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 a distinct taste of, of um, yeah, of like of like sort of toasted bread, not toast, but that, that very pretzel that you know, if you were to uns, if you were to have a, a pretzel with nothing on it, just the pretzel straight out of the oven, um, mm. yeah, which which is weird because it's a very different taste for a beer, but um, but I quite like it. It's not it's not like it's not offensive in any in any way, but uh, so far so good. Oh, very good. Very good. We are, as Sam says, very big fans of the Bavarian purity laws from the 1500s. Very big endorsement. You know, this this account, right, this podcast, our brand thoroughly endorses the Bavarian purity laws of the early 1500s. Very big indeed. Uh, yeah, I would, um, I would definitely want some more Bavarian purity laws uh, adopted by, uh, by beer companies here in the UK. But we do what we can. You know, there, there are some regulations that we would adopt from, uh, from, from the continent, but we don't always do it, sadly. So I don't think we're going to see many of our, uh, our local brewers uh, adopting okay. these. But when you can get your hands on it, you got, you got to take the Bavarian purity law. Yeah, where you can get it. You, you get it. Noble hops, you know, and virgin water from a cave run by monks or some bullshit. I don't know. Just, you know. It was, uh, it was, uh, I was following the Bavarian tradition with that beer fast from earlier on in the That's year. Right. It feels like, feels like a very long time ago. Long time ago man. You certainly yeah. look more healthier, <laughs> healthier than you did back then. It's not going feel a lot healthier than I did back then. That's for sure. That was quite an ordeal. Uh, but moving, moving swiftly on. Uh, I, the, what I'm drinking now is another cheddar ale. This one's called Totty Pot. I've not had it before. Uh, bottle conditioned as ever, and it's a dark porter. Totty Pot is a, an award-winning dark porter with hints of roasted coffee and a creamy malt mm. finish. Brew, brewed using the finest Maris Otter, Crystal, Chocolate, and Roasted Malts with a blend of English North Down and Golding Whole Hops. Indulge your dark side. All right. Indulge your dark side, Sam. Mm short tesla that wow yeah okay so we'll go to one or two ways here we'll go with yours first and then maybe see if we got time for mine at the end short tesla so okay so we had a little we you 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 sent me where's where's i'm gonna pull up this whatsapp message where was it uh i got it oh here it is it's like you sent me the link on twitter uh to 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 uh, uh basically 
as you put it, a guy in a gimp suit doing a robot dance uh, for Tesla at like some Tesla announcement thing. And then the next message is, how much can this guy get away with? How far can this farce go? Referring to Elon Musk. I mean, maybe you should you should explain exactly what it is that Tesla have gone and done. This, you know, I actually had to, um, I, I really did a double take. I was pretty sure what I was what I was looking at was uh, was a joke. Like people were posting this as uh, you know, this is Tesla's latest announcement. Yeah, had like, this been this April first, I'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah, but uh, you know, almost like this is just this is just the Tesla short community, the Tesla Q community, just just taking it to the next level because they are so extreme. The guys that hate te- that hate uh, you know Tesla, they're just as extreme as the guys who love Tesla. And you know, I, still- I just thought. I still can't believe this is true. What you're about to say, by the way. Yeah, I, I still think I, it's really, a, I think it's a joke. I had to look around. I I, I was like, this <laughs> surely this can't be what happened because I mean, but you know, there he is, Elon Musk. He's just on the right hand side of the stage, and uh, so for this announcement, you know, Tesla is now just saying we're we're going to make humanoid robots. Uh, they'll be with you next year. Don't, you know, no matter, how do people keep a lot going on with this? But, you know, we're making humanoid robots. And by the way, just to, just to show you what we've got, what, what's coming, right? We're going to bring a guy on stage wearing a gimp suit uh, and he's just going to dance. So it's like, we're making robots. Here's a human in a suit. Yeah. And like the slides that they created for this, you can find them. And, it, you know, it, even the formatting on the slide is poor. And it's just saying really stupid stuff. Uh, you know, what the, what the deadlift weight for this robot is going to be. You know, what the, what the and it, it just beggars bully. For me, this, this is a bridge too far. You can't, like the, the Cybertruck was one thing. This is, this is just crazy. When you're literally just putting a man in a suit and getting him to dance on stage, and saying this is evidence that we're developing a robot, or this is what you can look forward to. This is something you, you know, a high school. This is a high school presentation, right? It's a guy dressed as a robot acting like one. This is ridiculous, oh, it, and uh, it, it just made me think. You know, how far can Elon Musk go? How 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 long does it take before everyone starts questioning this kind of bullshit? In a well, year, yeah, a I year's time, people are already questioning it, and. Like every major news organization is reporting on this. Like the Washington Post, Tesla says it's building a friendly robot that will perform menial tasks and won't fight back. I mean, this this has this can't, this can't be. He can't be. This can't be real. No, but that, even then, even then, you've got the journos who are still fawning for him. So they've included in that subject line and won't fight back. Right. So. The, there's never the, like the definition of a robot is one that doesn't right the the in, when you're looking at you know the classic uh the the what is it the, it's not the laws of robot but you know isaac asimov's uh you know the the rules which robot robots must uh, abide by who you know, like it won't fight back it, it's a machine you're not yeah. gonna they're not gonna fight back anyway so, they're already falling to it so a, musk said just to spice it up you know wow. it's something you know, we're gonna limit the speed that this thing can run at so you'll be you, you'll Five be able to run away from it, right? This thing's not this thing's never entering production. Yeah, right? I can't run but five he's... miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just absurd. Uh, like we we've spoken about Musk so often in this podcast, and this is just taking it to uh, like I just can't 
I can't believe it anymore. It's just it's like the flamethrower. Oh, okay, granted they made the flamethrowers, but it's the, it's the flame flamethrowers, flamethrowers, flamethrowers. <laughs> it's the flamethrowers. It's the fucking boring. Co- so do you know what else is in, on one of the slides? It says eliminates dangerous, repetitive, boring tasks. I mean, they, yeah, they yeah, love. Yeah. He loves boring with his boring company. You know, digging tunnels and and uh, and the and the the flamethrowers and the cybertruck like. Any great surprise that the Cybertruck's delayed? I mean, give us a break. Like, so this robot is the Cybertruck ever even going to enter enter commercial Probably production? Probably not. This just no seems one's, no one's going to buy it robot. except for people that don't use it as a actual truck. But it, it it's it just seems like it, it seems so obvious now that there's no way you can deny it. Where they just announce a product, it never gets made, and then they just announce a new product. Do you know what's incredible about that? Is that Trevor Milton from Lordstown Motors is yeah. is is being charged by the SEC for exactly that, saying yeah, yeah. they're gonna do something, getting investors to buy the stock because of it, and then not actually doing it. So he's being charged by the SEC. Now this will show how much teeth the SEC has or doesn't have. Uh, if they take no action against Musk over this, then then it, it's it's i mean we all mean it's pretty obvious um because there's no way they're making this fucking boston dynamics have been trying to make a humanoid robot for about 20 fucking years and they still can only get it to parkour and it looks like a terrifying robot there's yeah. no way tesla trying to get a new cars to market trying to get a cyber truck to market can now allocate the resources to build a humanoid robot that is going to achieve everything. There is the, the other thing that is ridiculous about this is that it is exactly at the same time that the National Highway and Traffic Safety Authority in the US is investigating Tesla's autopilot because they crash into fucking emergency vehicles when they're on autopilot. This is a diversion if I've ever seen it. And I mean, nothing will happen to it. The, the SEC won't do shit about this. But I mean, at what you're right, at what point does the CEO of a public, publicly listed company worth hundreds of billions of dollars with investors all over the world. Uh, when does he get held to account for just literally lying to the fucking market? I uh, I would encourage everybody who's listening to this do do take a look. What you know, watch. You will cringe, but watch this this strange presentation and take a look at the slides that they released. If you just look at the slides that they've released with this and the kind of you know. No nonsense that they've just written on it. It becomes clear that those slides were just created the morning of the presentation. Like it's very, very little effort gone into it, and it. I think it just speaks to the the arrogance of I've been able to get away with this for so long. Now I don't even yeah. need to bother. I'm just going to pay some guy what, you know, maybe two hundred dollars or something. It wasn't even a good dance, right? It was, it was just, just terrible. It was just exactly cringe. the same shit that that Lordstown pulled. And well, the, no, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. The Lordstown wasn't as bad as Tesla when it comes to <laughs> we're just going to pay yeah. a guy to dress up and that and, and then say that what he's dressed up as is the robot we're going to produce in a year's time. Uh, it, it, it's it's baffling. It's baffling. I, I, I don't know what it actually did. To, I mean, I don't know what Tesla's stock has done today. Uh, it's worth having a look. Yeah, it, nothing. It, <laughs> <laughs> nothing um yeah it's it's uh it's be it's beyond me I so i'm like... with i'm with michael burry on this one i i think tesla stinks 
There's a lot yeah, of bad worry fucking is- smell. A lot of bad fucking smell coming out of Tesla. Mm, but there has been for so long. But I, yeah. I just asked the question. Uh, like for me, this is just this is just ridiculous. So, uh, you know, you could I could uh, you could take the Cybertruck and somebody throwing this ball bearing at it, and maybe it was all some grand plan by Tesla just to get more publicity because it made Musk look bad. But this, where it's uh, it's just like, it's just so so it's just so blatant obvious. deception. Yeah, but it's like but it's so bad that. I, I just, I can't think that everyone can just nod and sort of go along with it. But anyway, and you know anyway, what's Sam, annoying is that there'll be all the Teslarati out there will be like, just you wait. He'll do it. He'll prove you all wrong. And 20 years down the track, it'll just be like, oh, do you remember that time when Elon Musk promised to make a humanoid robot? <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. The thing is, I just wonder if the if the stock price is ever going to reflect this. So ever, people, are, you know, the Tesla Q guys. Are Tesla's, the Tesla's a meme stock now. Yeah, it is. It I is. I don't see any other way to describe Tesla than other other than being a meme stock. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I think I think I think that's right. I think that's right. But Sam, you were going to. There was another topic that you wanted to uh, <laughs> yeah. to go go along with here. I can't remember what what we said before we segued into. Oh, something about the dark side of things. So oh, the yeah, thing that the, one of the things that caught my attention this week was that uh, OnlyFans is going to start blocking sexually explicit content on their platform. Which is is funny because that's pretty much all their platform does. Um, which, by the way, I don't have a problem with. I don't use OnlyFans, but I understand what's there. I know what's there. If I wanted to access it, then I'd go and subscribe to whoever or whatever. Plenty of people use it. Plenty of people making money from it. Plenty of people don't make money from it. You know, choose to be on it, choose to be not on it, whatever. But they have basically shot them their business model in the foot trying to appease their banking and payment partners. So this is the reason they're, they're blocking. They say they're not going to block nude shots and they're not going to block certain things, but they're going to block basically the, the porn. Basically, they're going to block the porn. Um, is to appease their banking and payments partners. Um, and I mean, this is, this just, I found this just funny because I mean, here's a company that's that's really you know exploded out of nowhere. You know, you can debate the social responsibility and ethical nature of it till the cows come home, but you can't also deny that it's become hugely popular and widely used by those who choose to use it on their own accord. Uh, and now they're just be, to appease the banks and to appease the payment partners uh, are completely doing an about face. Um, it's just it, it's another example of of these legacy financial institutions that still run the show really for, for most companies out there. And we've seen it with crypto as well. You know, you had a, you messaged me last night or the night before or whatever about, you know, one of the banks causing an issue for you with trying to yeah, trying yeah. to get some, some cryptocurrency um, with your money. And uh, it's just another example, crypto, um, you know, pornography or sexually explicit content as they describe it. Um, if the, if the gatekeepers don't like it, if the powers that be, the conservative, wealthy, uh, you know, typically old white guys that run the show don't like it, uh, and I should throw religious into that mix, uh, then it gets blocked. Uh, this is this is the world we've allowed to to construct, and this is the world that needs to be shaken down. I think. There's a lot. There's a lot we could we could go into on this one. <laughs> I would start. Sam, I don't buy actually this the story that this is the banking system or the financial services sort of part of it that's pushing back on this. Uh, I simply because 
uh, you know, all of the, you know, all of the companies which have produced pornography, right, they've never had an issue with that. So, well, not never, but, you know, uh, in, in the modern age with the internet, uh, they haven't. So I don't actually buy this narrative that that's what's going on. And it's really just old conservative white religious guys who are, who are pushing back on it. I think there's probably something else going on, but I don't look at the industry. Uh, <laughs> I don't look at that kind of industry very much. So I don't, I wouldn't my, know what it was. My take is, is that it's somebody that they're either trying to raise some capital and the VCs or the investment banks that want to, that, that are interested and are prepared to stump up the capital that they're looking for have said, Sure, but on this condition, uh, or, or someone, why? someone, with, I don't why see why you change. I don't see why you'd, you'd make such a significant change to your platform. Otherwise, I mean, they know what they're doing. They know what's on there. Why now? It just it does. The, why they decide to do it doesn't make sense. I mean, except what your platform is. Okay, maybe it wasn't what you intended. Maybe it was, but I, I think that someone with a lot of money that they that they either need or want has said only on this proviso. See, that just seems strange to me. I mean, this is the only this is only the only way that platform makes money. So yeah. why would why would somebody who wanted to fund it to make money off it do do that? I don't know. I, well, I mean I, they, maybe they just have a vision for what it can be without that, but I don't think that it can be anything without that. But I don't know. Would you not would you not imagine uh, that surely OnlyFans would have enough capital by now, considering the meme it's become over the past year. If it's making any, you know, half as much money as people say that it does, you know, would it not, would it, okay. you know, would it not have enough capital to, need, to not need a VC to it, say? It, it could, it could be a uh, Wonga style situation where they just need a shitload of capital to pay out claims and uh, potential lawsuits that are coming their way. True, true. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, so it's a weird thing. A lot, a lot has been blown up on Twitter. This whole thing with uh, people saying, you know, the, the t- Taliban's victory has been complete with uh, with OnlyFans uh, preventing pornography and things like that. Um, <laughs> the thing I think uh, OnlyFans is a, you know, you're free market. So you you want to do what you want to do, then that's fine. If you're uh, if you're an adult and you want to, you know, sell nude pictures of yourself online, by all means, go for it. Uh, but the generally, I'm I'm kind of the the sort of OnlyFans phenomenon, I I'm pretty uh, I don't I, I think I see it as quite a negative influence on society. I yeah, actually I think that like no no, but I, I think it's affecting the way just, I don't like TikTok. I think that's equally as damaging. Equally, I would I wouldn't say I would say you know one of these is, is much worse than the other. I would think I, I OnlyFans though I think is a multi level marketing scheme. So I think the um, there are a few people who make a mm. lot of money from that's from true. their OnlyFans. Yeah. And they make a lot of money from OnlyFans by other uh, young people, generally almost always women, uh, who are very young. And yeah. over the last year, obviously, not been much to do. They can't get jobs. And they they see these other people making lots of money and then promoting their OnlyFans. And they then start sort of, uh, you know, effectively just, you know, uh, selling themselves online. Uh, and I don't think they make any money on it. So OnlyFans doesn't actually publish any of the, the mean, median, or mode for how much any of their users uh, users makes that I know of. I've not tried to find not tried to find that info, but from what I understand, they don't. And uh, I think effectively it's just a is an MLM scheme where you more and more people are on it, 
And because loads of uh, there are loads of people trying to make money on it, that makes the awareness of the brand much more, which mm -hmm. makes uh, more of the consumers sort of drawn into it because they see so many people uh, trying to make money on OnlyFans. And I think all that it does is, uh, well, not all that it does, but by and large, this is a very negative externality, as an economist would say, uh, where mm -hmm. you have uh, you know, a, a generation of girls, which is already plagued with all manner of body, yeah. uh, body issues. You know, like you think, uh, you know, you think, uh, you think, Peter, you know, girls are feeling, seeing, you know, TV adverts of, uh, you know, body types that they, they don't think they, they could uh, achieve is bad. Like imagine, imagine somebody, uh, a young person uh, try, literally trying to sell themselves and there are no buyers. Right. Imagine how that makes them feel like this is just I, I think it's a very negative effect on, on society. So while I'm a very free market guy, I uh, I really uh, I wouldn't mind if somebody just deleted OnlyFans. So I, I kind of um, I, I find it very, a very strange situation, Sam. I don't see I don't know why they've decided to do this. Uh, I can't I'm not complaining. Uh, so I hope and I hope this sort of crushes the, the crushes the platform, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't much like. It. I keep an interest on things like this because, uh, from a technology perspective, the adult entertainment industry is a fascinating insight as to how technology can evolve and the platforms and media that it can use to evolve, and how that sometimes front front runs a wider adoption of these things as well. So, you know, you can go back to basically the creation of of, of motion pictures and cinema through to portable media. Um, portable visual media and, and then into streaming and, and tubes and things like that about how the adult industry is always sort of seemingly at the front of things and then even to to how the evolution of OnlyFans has come about through social media and things like that it's just an interesting reflection of society and how it, it adjusts and adapts and adopts uh, adult entertainment and the dissemination of that into the public I mean it's it's one of those sort of core human things where people you know are always interested in wanting to know and you know sex sells you know for a reason um and so i always find it interesting you know you don't necessarily agree with how things are done or what they do or how you know they all clearly exploit a lot of people but yeah. at the same time the the way that these things hit society like when you think about it, only i mean what a phenomenon that it has been a lockdown uh, phenomenon certainly yeah and, it, and it's they're they're always reflective of, of particular um snapshots in time of society and where society is at and um, i just find it a really interesting sort of case study to, to see how those things go just, you know but you know we, we may we may be on the cusp of of of, of change maybe may you know maybe things uh, do change i mean you were talking before about how um you know the the impossible um model achievement of you know and it's the same for men with women is that you know you see the people advertising brands and you know the beautiful and you know, chiseled bodies and things like that. You always the, the unachievable dream um, and how that can affect people's, you know, uh, personal self-reflection and all that sort of stuff. Um, but, you know, I think that, I think that's changed. It's been tried. There's been a lot of change in fashion and those, that industry and, and as to how they're represented and who's represented. I mean, look at something like um, that lingerie brand that, Rihanna um, launched Savage X Fenty and the explosion that it's had for, you know, emphasizing all shapes and sizes and genders and um, you know, 
you know cultural backgrounds and and you see the rise of that and the the fall of something like victoria's secret right right i mean that's again a reflection of maybe where society's at and the change that's taking place so i just find it really interesting stuff but the only fans thing just had me up in arms because they've basically (laughs) destroyed the business model that made them so big to start with yeah it's as i say sam a very very it just seems like a strange thing it'd be like you know uh you know, Coca-Cola saying we're not making Coke anymore. It just seems very strange. <laughs> um, but as I say, I, I, I do feel, well, I think, as you say, you know, it's a, when it's some of the, such a recent phenomenon, it feels like very much a lockdown phenomenon where millennials in general and, and to some degree, the Zoomers who are old enough, obviously, uh, in the, who have ended, tried to enter the workforce at a terrible time, uh, you know, there was the, the employment prospects for somebody who's straight out of university or somebody who's straight out of school, have been absolutely terrible during lockdown. So uh, you know, the fact that this came about, you know, this, uh, this, uh, all of these Instagram influencers and Twitter people uh, saying, you know, uh, yo, I've been able to buy my new house thanks to OnlyFans, right? <laughs> and really trying to spread this message that- They're really can, just renting. Yeah. <laughs> well, it just seems that like the, the, the number of stories that people saw, because this spectacle- while it's celebrated by some, you know, people with very progressive attitudes on the likes of Twitter, it's oh, and do you know what it was also though, but it was also pushed out in the mainstream media. The amount of times on tabloid papers, I'd see articles like "I make ten thousand uh, pounds a month" or ten thousand pounds a week uh, on OnlyFans, and you know, shit like that. I mean, this was pushed out not just in social media, but on mainstream, you know, traditional. Well, it's almost media like a marketing well. campaign, right? I mean. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and you wonder whether which is any... which is your point about uh, multi-level marketing. You know, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I mean, what I what I fear uh, with this stuff is that you've just got uh, all of these young people uh, who were, were pre- effectively prevented from getting a job during lockdown by the government, uh, who ultimately are the least likely to be negatively affected by uh, the virus. Uh, you know, just there's nothing for them to do. They need money. They need to pay rent, and uh, you know, some of them just turn to this uh, really devaluing, degrading practice, and uh, they don't make any money out of it. So they must be feeling like absolute shit. And I think I suspect the majority of people on OnlyFans do not make much nah, money, or make, in uh, fact, the majority probably make no money. And all they've done is devalue themselves. And uh, you know, in just it's such a degrading, it's such a degrading uh, service. So it's an I unfortunate think, position that society's found itself in that this has become such the phenomenon that it has. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, not a happy story, but it's it's a it's a strange. Yeah, as, as I say, I don't understand what this decision is. I don't, I don't believe the banks would turn down that money. So, like, like we said, the uh, we've certainly turned to our darker side with <laughs> this discussion, as promised. Yeah. Yeah, don't indulge your darker side. You, you should drink some totty pot. But yeah. Uh, yeah, remember, we started all this with Shamu and we have ended in the depths of despair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, as Shamu did. Very you know, tragic. So. We have come full circle. Yeah, this yeah, this is end on kind of a dark note. Come on, Sam. Give us a give us a bright story to look for, eh? Come on. Oh, Jesus. I don't, I mean, it's a bright story. I that 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 was I wasn't expecting to have to dish out. Um <laughs> No, you, you've, you've put me, you've, you've tilted me, Sam. I, I'm, I'm an, it's a Friday. It's a Friday. Come on. We've got to be, you put me in a spot. I'm, I'm, I'm usually quite cynical by the end of the week about everything. Yeah, um, yeah but you, yeah, no, no. And I'm so the most optimistic guy Sam, in the room and I'm, and I'm, and I'm cynical at the end of the week about something. Yeah, but surely there's got to be, there's got to be something. I think, um, 
yeah, the, the, it's been a very, a very interesting week. I think, yeah, looking, looking out of you, any, uh, is there anything you're looking for next week, Sam, as a, uh, as a, as a signal for uh, sentiment? Because of course we have seen, uh, you know, the Coinbase CEO, Brian, Brian. That yeah, well, so actually there's, there's a pretty optimistic story for you. I think, I mean, so Coinbase, we, we didn't, we didn't even realize this when we saw the story, Coinbase has finally launched in Japan. Uh, I, I, like you, I think, assumed that Coinbase was, was already uh, in Japan because the Japanese have traditionally been a very uh, progressive market with cryptocurrency and adoption and awareness um, really at the forefront. And so I was surprised that Coinbase has only just launched in Japan. But I think it's a good good news story. I think there's a lot of um, a lot to come out of this. You know, a lot of people give Coinbase a bit of shtick. We've seen a lot more stuff in the crypto markets this week about, um, you know, the traditional market starting to get more into it and through funds and investments and, um, you know, that shift towards, you know, Bitcoin ETFs and, and all of that and improvement in the market. There's still a few things around scams and hacks and that, which we don't have time for today. But Lots of um, overall, I think, you know, we're continuing to see the development of the market. Uh, it's certainly moving forward. I think people can get a bit lost in looking at, at the price as a reflection of the the growth and buoyancy of the market that's a sort of a byproduct of it but it's also somewhat irrelevant um there's just there's a, it's a bit of a good news story this week crypto finally which is that you know the sentiment index has turned from extreme fear towards greed and extreme greed which is always good but also dangerous for the market but all in all i mean sometimes you can go through a week in crypto and just be like holy fuck that felt like a year but this week it's kind of like hey it's been pretty good so uh yeah it's a pretty good news story i think to finish on one thing I, I thought was interesting, it was just, uh, it was almost midnight last night when it came out. Uh, and it was uh, that chap, Brian, who founded uh, Coinbase, Brian Armstrong. Uh, saying that they're, they're going to dump half a billion of their cash into into crypto. And yeah, I think, and it was, was crypto, not Bitcoin, but crypto. Yeah, well, obviously, I mean, as Coinbase, though, thrives on people thinking of crypto as crypto rather than Bitcoin. Uh, but, you know, and also 10% of their profits, that they're, they're going to dump into the crypto market, which is uh, a lot of people salivating because Michael Saylor hasn't gone and, you know, done some ridiculous, uh, you know, Bitcoin purchase using <laughs> debt or whatever. But I thought it was interesting seeing that. Oh, one other thing uh, on a similar note, when, you, when it comes to corporate balance sheets, uh, investing in things uh, other than you know just being on the balance sheet and holding cash and whatever. Did you see Palantir is buying gold bars? I did I? So I, I we we should maybe discuss this next week. I think, um, but yeah, I, I found it very interesting that Palantir has decided to. Well, at least they've bought gold bars that they don't. They're not physically holding them as you probably wouldn't, um, but they can. They can get them anytime they want. So uh, that was an interesting, but regardless of what they bought the, the, the underlying reason why they bought it is i think the really important story there but i think maybe that's something we should dive uh, deeper into next week yeah yeah definitely a theme to continue with i think it comes you know goes it goes further with this theme of companies not wanting to hold cash when they when they own a lot of cash but sam how would you rate your second beer uh so i really enjoyed that Rumi's uh munich keller beer uh, or Munchen Killer Beer. Uh, yeah, really enjoy that a lot. Um, it's been a good, it's been a good day for the beers for me. Um, I think I'll give yeah. that actually, believe it or not, a double B minus, which is which oh. is good, which is good, which is very good, which is very good. On the uh, on the tossy pot, I would give that was another another nice nice one. Got a lot of coffee there, but not too much coffee, and it wasn't too strong either. Uh, just checking what the ABV was on that. Yeah, 4.5%. So, uh, you know, pretty mild, all, all things considered. I would give that one a B, I think, uh, which is which is good. Uh, it was uh, a very a very nice dark porter. 
But Sam, uh, I think that concludes our 54th episode of Booze, Booms and Busts. We shall be back, of course, next week with episode 55. Uh, in the meantime, if you're listening to this, I hope you have a very good weekend and we shall see you in the next one.